0: accelerating careers in real estate with Nick Carman. Welcome. This evening, I'm sat with Charlie Walsh, Director of Sales and Marketing for Loader across UK, China and Hong Kong. Developers best known for the headline scheme, One Grosvenor Square. And in this episode, I'm really looking forward to listening to Charlie share what he believes got him to this point in his career, what tools he's needed to hone to accelerate his career to where we are now. So Charlie... Tell me a little bit more. Where did your first, where did your career first start?
1: So I think, um, good question. My I think it was my career first started in a year out industry placement from university, and I was not sure what to do. And someone suggested to go and look at uh, a property company, a property agency. And I had an amazing 12 months out of university of sort of great fun, hedonistic time at university, and uh placed in this office uh in Bristol. And it was a quite a daunting, I suppose, initial experience because you spend this time at university, you have a great time, and you're not beholden to anyone, you don't have any timings, regulations, etc. And I think this this first placement at at this agency in Bristol was a very interesting experience for me to sort of dive into and I think that was what probably got me sort of caught on the property bug and and I think really it wasn't just the property bug of what we were doing but I think it was very much the people surrounding me that sort of got me engaged in what I was doing and and got me hooked into I think the, the, the property gig. So once you got the bug what followed after that? okay so um i think I think the important thing to say here was was I was extremely lucky to have been placed in an office i mean never worked in an office before in my life and been surrounded by very enthusiastic, very energetic people and I think moreover a very uh, a key individual in that in that environment um, allowed me to really progress motivated me was very positive and I think brought out the best of me that I could do this and I and having never sat in an office before that actually it was very fun It was very engaging and there was a lot of belief in my ability as someone who'd never been in an office before um, but also in, in the ability to I suppose forward think and approach problems and ideas and and excitement with I think what was rewarded with was enthusiasm and positivity and I think with that sort of whole encompassing effect I was able to 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 really engage with I suppose property Um, and I think people go into property for very different reasons For, for me I think the big driver was it was an industry which didn't require to sit behind a desk 24 7, and having done previously some sort of work experience at a stockbroker's, thinking stockbroking was a very exciting industry. And you know, I think I'd watched too many Wall Street episodes of people shouting on the on the trading floor back and forward, and uh, I thought that's what stockbroking was. And I went and did a work experience um, a part at a stockbroker. And my God, it was boring. And I realized that um, what I need to do was I need to be in an industry which has tangible assets where I can actually touch, feel, smell what we're creating, what we're building, and, and actually just be away from the desk as well, be out and meeting people. And I think that's really my sort of, I think it's my strength is to be out with people. And I think property was what was able to, to reward me with that, with that, with that effect. And what aspect of property did you did you first start in? So I first started in uh, land sales. So it was it was it was house builder land sales in the southwest of, of the UK, in Bristol, as I said. And it was um it was a great department to be in, because it was very energetic. There lots there's lots going on. And I think my first my first sort of day one I arrived at my desk at this agency. And at my desk was it was a pack of printed business cards, and God, I was excited. I had my my name on a card. I thought this is this is seriously growing up, and wow, how exciting! And uh, telephone on a sort of BBC Amstrad computer or something pretty archaic, and was told, "Look, you know, off you go, go out and meet people," and it was given a huge reign of freedom to go and just explore what property was, and 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 meet these landowners and meet these developers and basically try and knit together some form of deal or some sort of contact, which I went out and did. And and, and that was really exciting, very rewarding, quite daunting. Um, and I think the amount of rope and leash I was given was, was, I think, scary, but also a great thing as well, because it allowed me that sort of freedom to go in and, and, and sort of, you know, explore property, I suppose, from, from, from a perspective where I've never done it before. And I think, you know, six to nine months in, um, I managed to knit together, God knows how, um, a deal with with a, a piece of land, which was, which was being made redundant. And, and created a sale. And, and that was an amazing experience, aged 24 years old, 23 years old. And, uh, and my boss at the time, who was, was a huge mentor and was really sort of the catalyst for my, for my reason of going to property. I arrived the next morning and there was a bottle of champagne on the desk. He said, that's a phenomenal effort, great work. But he didn't leave it at that. He said, let's do the next one. Let's do it twice the size. And I think that sort of enthusiasm into it, I thought, wow, this is a fantastic gig to be in. And, uh, and that really spurred me on. So I think that that um I having finished that that period uh in the southwest and I was initially sparked onto this idea of property and I thought this is a great thing I had a very energetic very um enthusiastic mentor and boss who really encouraged me and I think from that period onwards, I, I, I was then very fortunate to be approached by a big agency in London to go do capital markets. Now, I think capital markets to me had always sounded very sexy, big deals, very exciting, and huge rewards. And you were sort of kingmakers. make smoke as well. Yeah, lo- yeah lots, lots of smoke, lots of smoke, and probably a few mirrors there as well. Um, so I think, yeah, it was, it was a very exciting um, concept and idea to go and move into this capital markets thing. And it sounded sort of quite grown up capital markets and just don't sell sort of fields to developers. And so I was very taken by that. And the uh, the package and everything else, it was all sounded very grown up, you're going to work in the city of London, the square mile, I, never, I didn't know what the square mile was. So I was, I was huge excited by this whole concept about capital markets. So I entered into that. And as, as a relatively young guy from, from the southwest, having really dealt with developers and landowners historically. And what I found was moving into the square mile, it's it's quite a, it's a, it's a completely different gear change to, to what I've been used to historically. I, I say historically, I'd only even been one small role up until then, but I think it was a real baptism of fire to go and work in the square mile because it's it's a very fast paced environment. And looking back at it now from having worked in the West End, working in the city, it's about, um, there's a very intense amount of people in a very sort of, geographically uh, limited confine and space. And I think what's interesting is people go to the square mile, they go to work very hard, uh, they go to party very hard, lunch very hard, but that's it. And, and there's this sort of very small environment that you, you work within. And it, it was extremely exciting as a sort of 25, 26 year old to be in the city working on the 18th floor of a tower block overlooking massive views. And there's a sort of almost a sort of a Gordon Gecko feel about it. And I thought, wow. about to your Wall Street days again. Exactly, exactly. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, I've, re- I've really hit the big time here, which of course I absolutely have not. And, um, it was very exciting from that point of view. And I sort of launched myself into that sort of capital markets thing and, and and we were buying and selling big office blocks, huge multi-hundred million pound office blocks for pension funds and prop codes, et cetera. And it was a really it was exciting time. I think sadly in that particular period, what I did realize, and this goes back to I think probably a bit of a thread that goes through through our discussions today, was um it's about the people you work with. And I, and, and I think Naively, having only ever worked at one place beforehand, I thought everyone had in every workplace an inspirational boss, a inspirational team, and a great environment in which to thrive in. And that was cut very short during my during my stint in the city. Um, because I think it was a it's almost it was almost a much more aggressive environment to be in. And the capital market side was for me much more numerically focused, which I enjoyed i uh, I think the reason I went into property was to get away from my desk to go out and explore the environments you're 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 dealing in and 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 the surrounding area and this became increasingly desk based almost analysis work work um coupled with i think a team which I didn't feel had my back um I certainly didn't have their back and there wasn't a supporting environment to go out and learn which I'd previously been in. Uh, and and also, was there an inspiration or motivation to go out and um, explore what you're doing and, and, and see other people, which is very much what I think was probably about about learning and about meeting interesting new people and seeing interesting new buildings and what, how do people do X, Y, and Z. And I think I sort of lost that um, vavavoom voom in that three-year period um, at um, uh, doing Capital Markets. And I think a lot of people, when I then eventually realized actually the transition into development work, and more of a residential development work. And I don't think it had to be residential development work, but I think I very much realized that actually I'm somebody who needs to see, touch, smell, get excited about the product that I am effectively selling or effectively uh, marketing. And I think without that, when you're selling a 100,000 square foot grey office block in some unnamed street or road in, in the city with a tenant's got a 25 year lease and RPI uplifts it becomes a bit dry and it's I'm not saying it's wrong it's just I did realize it very quickly wasn't for me that and I needed to get excited and passionate about what I do and in effect what I sell and see and I think that's when the alarm bells started ringing coupled with the fact that I didn't get on very well with with the people surrounding me and they were sort of quite I think monosyllabic and not not as engaging as I had previously expected and I, I think I feed off positive energy, Nick. And I think you you probably see that. And if I do not have positive energy around me, I quickly shrink as a bit of a shrinking violet. And I need to sort of I need to I need to blossom. And I think without having that positive energy around me, I don't I don't think I'm at my best. And I think it was at that point, I realized, look, I've got to get out of this, this is not my gig. And I need to move on to something which is much more tangible and excites me as an individual. Because I think if you're excited about what you do and the product you're selling, you're going to come across as a much more genuine individual, and you're going to be much more engaged and much more excited about what you do, and and you'll get up out of bed with you know with with a stride in your step, and you'll actually enjoy what we're doing. And I think that's when when the alarm buzz rang, and that's when the opportunity to move into something more interesting and in more of a development capacity sort of came about. So, Adam, what's
0: what year are we now?
1: So, I think we are now um, probably about two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and and I got approached. By company to go and work in the Middle East, and that was my sort of, I suppose, transition into some extraordinary things, but also uh, the richness and diverseness of
0: capital markets. So this is Tinas us up rather nicely, isn't it? Two thousand seven to two thousand eight, heading to the Middle East. It all—it's all sounding very, very exciting. Um, but of course, you couldn't have known what was going to come.
1: No, <laughs> so. I think the uh, the idea of white linen suits and trilby hats was getting a bit over exciting for me and, uh, and the idea of moving to a hot country and a bit of a change from grey and dreary square mile I think was was too alluring. And um, yeah, so I, I had this amazing opportunity to go to the Middle East and work for a company out there which was a consultancy firm exploring very interesting, big, huge projects Big placemaking schemes, which the likes of we've probably never seen in London, and they've got such huge vision and huge ambition to create these huge master plans, and I think that was that was extremely exciting. And I thought I- I'd like a piece of that, and that sounds really exciting. So so I so I went over to the Middle East, and I think that was about two thousand seven, two thousand eight. There are about some dates a bit hazy. What I do remember, Nick, very very well, is pretty much. Almost probably to the second the wheels touched down from the Emirates plane into into Dubai. I think the entire market crashed overnight. <laughs> so it was perfect timing from my point of view, and um, and that was an interesting. That's one way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting time because. I arrived there, and 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 I think the Dubai the Dubai market is a, is a roller coaster market. I think the GCC market is a roller coaster market. But God, it was fascinating, and it was really interesting to be in there. And I think I took away huge amounts of knowledge from that, and not only working skills and 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 something and, and things that I've learned from how to deal with people in different cultures and all that, but just in, just operating in a different environment, a very different environment. From what I've been used to in the city. And it was really invigorating. And it was exactly what I wanted and exactly what I needed. Was it particularly lucrative? And did I hit the right time? Absolutely not. But I think from what I yielded from it, which was the you know the knowledge and understanding of working in, in, in a different environment and having the confidence to go out and meet these sheikhs and captains of industry, I think what was very interesting, I think, about working in the Middle East was, unlike London, if you wanted to speak to the head of an office or, 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 a, or a sheikh or anything else, you just called them up and they were so eager to meet you. And yes, you might wait an hour or two for the meeting to, to, to take place because their timekeeping is absolutely appalling. But you, there was no question of you not being able to meet an individual. And, and that was very very exciting from my point of view. Whereas in London, I felt that if you wanted to meet the head of a, a property company or a head of a fund, you had several hurdles to jump through and people to meet and why you're meeting him? And this day it doesn't work, that doesn't work. And it was just a real sort of um drag on your sort of enthusiasm to, to 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 engage these people. And I think out in the Middle East I thought it was it was fascinating that you could really you really could meet anyone you wanted to out there. And I think that sort of enthusiasm for the industry and and just the way people operate and work was just fantastic. And I I really enjoyed that. I've
0: I've, I've got to pause as pause us there because yeah. Anyone listening to this who's just heard you say that you, you, wheels are touched down in, in Dubai and you've had a global economic crisis yeah. and you said that's exactly what you needed. <laughs> um, how, how on earth do you maintain such a, sort of, an optimistic or sort of positive outlook? Because it's clear that you know, that's, that shines through from sort of how you, how you describe the, uh, these sort of formative years. Yeah,
1: um, I think um, I'm a great believer in um, you learn way more from things when they go wrong than when they go right. And actually, the people um, who are most resilient and most flexible to the environments that they uh, uh, encounter are far better placed to deal with it if they've been through some form of resilience and some form of downturn. And I, I'll never forget working with my historic peers uh, much older than me, and say, well, boy, you don't remember the downturn of 87 or 63. I mean, I don't know how old they were. but And I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't I don't know that. And, you know, I hope I don't have to deal with it. But if I do have to deal with it, you've got to go, you've got to approach these things with a positive mental attitude because you learn more from it. And I think if you stick to your guns and you remain positive, I think positivity breeds positivity. And I think if you surround yourselves with, with doers, then actually things will work out in the end. They have a funny knack of working out the end, and I'm I'm a true believer in fate, as you'll probably garner from from our discussion here, but I think things happen for a reason. And my years out in the Middle East, when there was that downturn, and I would meet these developers, they have this amazing resilience to just crack on with it, and I think that was, I loved it, and it was was an amazing sort of experience to sort of get involved with. I think also, as well, I think from a personal point of view, being out of your comfort zone, I think, gives you a great knack for seeing how people react. You know, if you throw someone into a completely different environment, it's fascinating seeing how people react. Some people, will, I think, will shrink up and crawl away back to the home comforts and others will be like, do you know what, this is awesome. It's crazy, but it's awesome. Let's get, it, let's get evolve. Let's, let's go for it. And I, and I love that. And I love that sort of, you know, go-go-getter attitude. Well, that leads me to really, um, a
0: really nice segue into one of the things I, I'm i most fascinated about. And And you're right, there is, there is a divide. There are people who find their settling point in their careers and are very comfortable and stay comfortable. And then there's the people who, who, who almost seek out that opportunity or that risk or that, uh, that great new challenge. And it's quite clear that you, you are the latter of that, <laughs> of that group. Um,
1: do you, did you plan these steps? Uh, absolutely not um nothing's planned in my in, in my in my in my book um i think i'm 'm an opportunist, and I think if the right opportunity comes along of course you you know you weigh up risks and your your risk assessment i suppose gets changed the, the the needle and the and the balance gets changed as you get older, and then you grow up and you have family and kids and extremely crazy mortgages and that sort of balances everything else but i think I think these things. I'm a true believer in these things come around the corner when you're least expecting them and they hit you in the face. Like, wow, where did that come from? Actually, that's quite cool. Let's give that a go. And I think having that ability to be receptive to that, I think some people... If a guy comes or a girl comes up and walks to you and talks to you in the bar, and you're like, "Well, you know, sorry, I'm having a conversation with my friend here. Don't you know? Can can you go away?" Versus, "Oh, how are you? You know, you're quite interesting. Yeah, perfect. Let's have a, you work for that company. That's interesting. You know, how, how did you do that? And what's it like living there?" And you spark up that sort of excitement just to meet people. And I think, and I think that that definitely helps with the ability. It's a sliding door mentality, and the, the, I think there are these doors that fly past us. A thousand times a day, and occasionally one of them creaks open. There's a little bit of light that comes through, and like, do you know what? That looks quite interesting. Let's dive in there, see what happens.
0: So, um, are you then a sort of an over risk taker, or
1: are these calculated risks? Um, I think there's definitely there's always going to be an element of calculation about it. There's, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say I'm a reckless decision maker, but I do also recognise that I think it's very important to perpetually challenge yourself. And I think in any job, and any role you do, I think you've always got to be A, learning, B, challenging yourself uh, and C, you know, immersing yourself with different people. I think it's really important that. And I think the day you stop learning, you stop challenging yourself, you don't have someone to look up to or a mentor to challenge you or or a coattail to ride off, then I think you need to question what you do. And I think some people are very Relaxed and happy to be in that environment where they're just going to coast along, and that's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, that's not my bag, and I don't think it'll ever be my bag. I, I need to continually keep moving on. And actually, I spoke to a, a good friend of mine uh, a few years ago, who's a senior guy at an agency who I used to work with, uh, and he he held the belief that every four to five years in a job you should be moving. And I said to him, "What do you mean moving externally or moving internally?" He said, "Look." either doesn't matter but you've got to keep challenging yourself and if the management above you don't see that that four to five year cycle they're blind for it they're silly not to not to recognize it because actually i think people have to keep moving on they have to be challenged and they have to have new roles so i'm not saying you know everyone looks at sort of younger generations and the frequency at which they change jobs and i remember my father always saying to me you know, Charlie, never leave a job and so you've got another one to go to. And that's kind of stuck with me. And, I, and, and we're talking about risk, Nick, and we're saying, you know, I, I, would I leave a job not to have another one to go to? No, not, not in my, my current situation. But I kind of admire the younger generation who you have that wonderful freedom to an ability to say, do you know what? This is not for me. I'm going to move on. And actually looking back at my career in the capital markets segment, arguably you could say I should have done that. I should have, I should have pulled the ripcord a bit earlier because I endured what I thought was actually three pretty hard years of of unenjoyment, frankly. And and I think probably I should have ripped the cord. Did I miss an opportunity? Did I miss a sliding door we talk about? Maybe, who knows? But, you know, I am where I am today. And I think it's important to always challenge and always move on. And I always say that to, you know, my younger team. I, I was extremely fortunate to have that amazing mentor, you know, year zero we talked about earlier on. And I've kept that very close to me. And I think as a result... I find it very important to look after younger people below me to make sure they have something to go up to and something to accede to. Um, because I think without that, where's, where, where's the interest? Where's the sort of loyalty and where's the excitement for them? Interesting. Do you remember what was driving you in those early days? What was driving you in those early days? I think, I think probably recognition. Uh, recognition, obviously success. Because I think we we were all... Everyone, whether a salesperson or not a salesperson, enjoys the dopamine hit of some form of success. And I think in those early days when you get those little wins, as it were, I think it's really exciting, and that drives you on to the next win and the next win, and hopefully they get bigger and bigger. and And you'll have a few setbacks along the way, but I think the setbacks that along the way you can either get knocked down and say, you know, I'm going to stay down, thanks, or you can pick yourself and say, you know what, I'm I'm not going to get taken down by that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make the next win even bigger, and and to 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 counteract the last loss. And I think that's that was I think a big drive for me.
0: Interesting, really interesting. Given I just asked you then you know, what what are you, what was driving you, and you you talked about success. I'm curious has your is your concept of success changed over time. Uh,
1: yeah, I think so. I think the. Uh, the, the Gordon Gecko days of working the square mile, I think absolutely that is absolutely has changed. I think for me, success now you look at sort of I suppose we you know we used to learn about Maslow's hierarchy of needs at at, uh, at business school and and I think you have this sort of different segments in the pyramid as you as you progress through your career. I think for me, success now is it has got to be, I think an enjoyment at work and enjoyment at work comes into very many sort of different categories. I think. The work-life balance for me is coming to the fold more now that I have a family. And I think also to feel that you're progressing at work and you're making a difference. And I think making a difference not only in the company that you are working in, and maybe a sort of the micro aspect of selling the product, shall we say, but also in the wider macro aspect of, am I making other people's careers more worthwhile? And I think I, I get huge... Amounts of satisfaction with my job if I know that I've furthered someone else's career, and someone else has turned around and said, do you know what? Thanks for putting me forward for that, or thanks for um, having my back on that, or thanks for giving that recommendation. Because I think that that that's a huge. I know i wanted it to happen to me, and I think and I know I appreciate when it does happen to me. But I think to do it to other people, I think it's a really important aspect. So during the
0: research that we've we've conducted, and spoke to sort of former employers and 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 friends. What I found really interesting was they all they all used the same. Words to describe you, and that is that Charlie's got incredible likability, okay. <laughs> um, and that that clearly uh, engenders people to to want to give you their best, and that you've got this huge group of of colleagues and and friends then who have also benefited from that sort of first contact with you, who then want to give you their best as as well. So, to anyone listening to this um, who is maybe new to management. Or, or equally, anyone who is considering that next steps and is looking then for some some lessons to learn, how how can you how can you sort of engender that that same sort of loyalty and that same sort of team mentality of of, of all pulling together?
1: Well, so it's, 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 a, it's a big question. I I think the I think I very much work along the lines of treat others as you'd like to be treated, and I think that's quite important. And I know it can be said lightly that and maybe it's overused that phrase. But I think we're all in this industry together to have fun, to progress our careers and to enjoy the fruits of our labor and and what we're creating. And I think think if you look at that from that point of view and you go into these meetings, and you go in to meet these people with a smile and that positive mental attitude... People people want to join that bandwagon. You know, they they, they want to. It's the it's the old analogy of the table at the wedding. You know, the, there's there's ten tables at the wedding, and one table in the corner they're having an absolute riot and they're having a laugh. And the other nine tables thinking, how do I get onto that table because they're having an absolute riot? It Sounds like really good fun. You know, I think that sort of positivity and and sort of I suppose well being and approach to what you do engenders other people to do it in a way which is. You, you, you can't really put a word on how you pass it on to people. I think people see it and they feel... You know, it's like some, you're sitting on a tube in the morning. If you smile at someone, they're probably going to smile back. They might think you're Oh, I'm not sure about that they, on they the might, tube. They might think you're a complete weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of people probably do think I'm a complete weirdo. But I think there's that sort of ability to to transition and, and transpose your energy onto others. And I think if you can get that that endearing quality in your team, they will follow you and they will follow you to the ends of the earth and I think that's that's something I picked up very early on in my, in my role in year zero at that agency in the southwest of UK. I, I remember being asked by I think the boss at the time would you come in on Boxing Day to do a viewing for so-and-so or x y and z i didn't even think twice i was in the car i was i was, I was, I was honored to have been asked to have been the guy to be asked to come in on boxing day away from his family to go and do this viewing or to go and do this meeting with somebody who was being you know who wanted the meeting then on the 26th of december and i didn't even think twice about it and i think i thought and i knew that it was a it was a it was an honor to have to have been given the call up and i thought this guy has asked me and it's great and i and i'll do this to the best of my ability Yet with with subsequent sort of management and bosses, I wouldn't have got out of bed for the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, whatever December. I, you know, if I was on holiday, that was it. Switch the phone off because I didn't want to hear from this guy. He 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 didn't he didn't engender any form of loyalty or positivity or anything at all. And I thought, you know what, that negativity. And I'll be honest with you, Nick, that negativity, um, which which I picked up on on one of my roles, nearly sank me. It was it was a, it was a pretty disheartening time in my career. And one which, I'll be honest with you, nearly, I nearly thought to myself, maybe this is not the, the career for me. And it's amazing the power those individuals have on you because I thought, if this guy can put me off an entire career because of my my time with him, it's it's not great. And, but it also makes you realise the sheer power that your colleagues, in a funny sort of way, have over you because if you're in a happy, positive environment, God, you'll thrive, and you really will. And I thrive, and I've been so lucky for it. But also if you're not in that environment, you can really sink and sink to horrible lows. And we you know, we look in the you know, in the papers and, and the news about workplace bullying and it's horrific and it's it's unacceptable. And I've got friends who are in that environment at the moment and the two things I feel, one is I think I feel get out, get out quickly. And the second thing I feel is I wish I could speak to the manager and say, you know, what are you doing? You're crushing this individual. He's got so much to offer and you're crushing him. You can't even see the potential that he can add to your team. You're so short-sighted. And that makes me very frustrated, very sad, but very frustrated that you're, you're losing this opportunity. And I think that's, so I think, I think to go back to your question, Nick, I think how do you engender it? I think it comes from the individual. You've got to lead from the front.
0: So it's only fair. We've, we've, you've been really candid with us about some of the lows. Um, well, let's
1: talk about some of the highs. Yeah. Tell us,
0: tell us what you're up to at the moment.
1: So, um, so I've, I'm working for an amazing company at the moment, which is a an international developer who's who took their first tentative steps into central London development in about 2013, 2014, and very candidly, I think you know took down some very bold sites, big big name sites, very early on. And I think a lot of these other international developers. Will dip their toe in the market, maybe find it's a bit cold, the water a bit tepid, and they'll dip it out again. And and these guys have gone for it. And I think the reason they've been such a great firm and uh, and a fun company to work for is they have very much bestowed the responsibility of what we're doing to the UK office, to the London office. So I've been very lucky to work for a firm which is really respected local talent, hired a local team, and enthused some real. You know these are very British products. They're very British postcodes. They're very British developments, Uh, and we should be proud of that. And I think they've instilled some great, a great team around that to make sure that we get the best of best sort of the local market. What we're doing.
0: So, Charlie, in in, you know what's been an incredibly sort of successful career so far, I am
1: curious to to ask you know what's been the hardest lesson that you've had to learn though. I think. Probably the hardest lesson I've had to learn today, and something I'm, I'm honing still, you know, in in my career, is the ability to know where and when to, I suppose, proffer advice and fight your battles. I think, and that sounds like a quite sort of a, a generic answer, but I think in my previous roles, and I think it's a, is it, I think it's probably a bit of an age thing as well, where you start these careers, you're very enthusiastic, you're up for it, you're excited. And I've seen it as a manager of teams as well. You have these young guys who are just chomping at the bit to to get involved and to answer the questions and to and to solve the problem. And and it's about being able to harness that energy and excitement. And I think I've definitely come a cropper, um a couple of times in my career where I've probably tried to fight too many battles. And I've tried to take on too much in one go and trying to to fix the solution. Uh, one man, off you go, let's, you know, let, let's try and sort this sort this problem out. And I think that's as I've got older and, and sort of progressed the career a bit, I've realized actually those battles were they were small battles, they were little fights, actually. And actually, you got your fights, you got your battles, you got the war. And I think those are little fights that I should probably have just rolled over and said, do you know what, fine, give up on it. And I think the hard bit there is, is I remember very well having having a quite a sort of fraught conversation with a client once, where I'd Really expressed my view on the direction and strategy of where they were going, and I was very frustrated because I really believed in the product, I really believed what they're doing. And I love the brand, love what they're doing, and I felt they just weren't listening to what I was trying to say and what I was trying to do. And it probably came across completely wrong. In fact, it did come across a bit wrong, and I and I made I made a complete fool fool of myself, and was probably out of line in what I did. And looking back on it, I think I was young, much younger, and I should have gone about it very differently. But also, I look back on it, and I think to myself, if I'd not had that passion to have spoken up and said, I think this is wrong, or I think this is where we're going wrong on this, and we should be fixing this, and this is the solutions. I spoke out because I had the passion, because I believed in it. And I think what I'm trying to say is, is, although one has the passion for these little battles and fights, it's about honing how we approach these difficulties and approach these problems and for me actually the biggest worry is not having the passion in the first place and that goes back to our conversation earlier on nick about some people just happy to coast and, and relax and i think do you know what, in that particular environment i'd say out of the four colleagues i was in the room with three were very happy like well, charlie just shut up just just relax just let him go i know he's digging his own grave just let him go for it just, who cares but i really cared about it i really wanted to, to 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 make to make a change there i went about it the wrong way but i think but i think it was it was, a, it was a mistake driven by passion for what I was trying to do. So I think looking back on what I've learned from the difficult times, I think I've learnt now more and more so that it's about taking a step back, taking a breather, and just in the heat of the moment taking yourself away from it and just reassessing it. And I think people have always, you know, the old adage of uh, never send an email on anger, always just sit back and put it in your outbox for 48 hours and review it. And actually, you know what, it's amazing. You go and you read an email 48 hours later, you think, oh, was the guy that wrote that? That's that's really off what you're doing there. So I think that's a difficult thing that I've learned, And um, but it's a good lesson to learn. So throughout this, you
0: know, I've, I've, I've been listening to um the attitude you've you've taken to whether it's been sort of highs or low, and and it's it's incredible the way you can always see the the upside. You've obviously got you got a, this real sort of optimism about everything you do, and and I I wholeheartedly understand when you, from when I've spoken to done our research that that must be incredibly infectious. But there must be times when you've needed help, and so I am really curious to ask where where you go looking for help.
1: Yeah, okay, <laughs> um, absolutely. I, I you know regularly. Will go and uh, and go and find my my sort of um, my sources of help to, to, to when I can't see a way through, and I think that's and I think that's something that's very cathartic in in how to solve problems, and I think my 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 sort of I suppose my sources to to see me through issues. I think uh, it's a mixture of I suppose friends of which I know you've spoken to, to to a couple of them already, bouncing ideas off them is very interesting and actually particularly friends who do not work in the same industry as you and I think that's quite interesting because you get a very different perspective on on problem solving on man management on approach to how companies run etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think that's really interesting so so bouncing ideas of them is I think is key and I think also I, I you know I have I have my mentors within the industry, and they are stalwarts who've been there, been around the block, got the bruises, the cuts, and it's great to chat to them about that. And they will say, "Let relax, you know, we've been through this before, and you know what? I think this is the best approach. Or you're doing fine, or whatever it is, you know." And I think that's very that's very important as well to have that sort of that touch point, and I think you learn so much from that, you know, obviously certainly not not least, but, but lastly, you know, my wife, you know, she's she's amazing. She comes back, she has nothing to do the property industry and she's always amazing. She always says to me at the end of the day, how was your day? She's fascinated to hear about it. And she is a great counterbalance to, to you know, to my problems. And, you know, if I, if I face an issue dealing with somebody, she'll say, you know, have you looked at it from their perspective or have you looked at it from this perspective? And, you know, it's that great sort of, actually, you know what, you're absolutely right. And it's great to hear that very extracted view which sort of resets your your, your perspective on things. I think that's been fantastic.
0: Well, I, th- I think we can probably stop it there, and you've been extremely sort of generous with your, your time this nice evening. Um, uh, but I've, I've found that really, really inspiring and, and and also sort of fascinating. So thank you so much. Good,
1: Nick. Thank you very much indeed. It's has really, really enjoyable. Thanks.
0: This podcast was brought to you by McDonald & Company, the leading real estate recruiter. To discuss any matters with Nick Carmen, please contact him via the email address in your show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episode as it's released.